we experience what is called positional sanctification. Uh, Sanctification meaning to be set apart for special use or to declare something holy. So, When we surrender our life to Jesus, we are positionally justified. We are positionally sanctified, meaning positionally we are set apart and made right in the eyes of God because of Jesus. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Even if you're kind of with me, just like nod your head. Okay, cool. It might make sense more in a couple years. I don't know. Building blocks. Okay, so... What John is referring to in verse 7 is what is called progressive sanctification. Not political progressiveness. It's called progressive sanctification, meaning we are still experiencing sin, but we are continually or progressively being formed into the likeness of Jesus. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 illustrates this. It says, but grow in the grace of and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To, be, to him be glory both now and forever. So what Peter is saying here, he's talking about sanctification. He's saying that as you are a Christian, as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, you grow in the grace and the knowledge of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. And this is one of many passages talking about the believer being continuously formed and shaped into the likeness of Jesus. So as we move forward, the next claim that these deceivers were making was that they were without sin, saying that since they had followed Jesus, they no longer struggle with sin. He says this in verses 8 through 10. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. I want to read a quote for you that I feel like summarizes this well. You cannot be in fellowship with an utterly holy God while making sin your pattern of life. In contrast, pursuing holiness according to God's word maintains fellowship with other believers and shows that we are those who have been cleansed by Jesus' sacrificial death. This call to holiness might prompt some to claim that they have no sin at all. But John says it is merely self-deception for anyone who claims to be without sin. Although we must not endorse or excuse sin, the answer is not to hide our sin or to act like we are free from it. Okay, so this is a hard concept sometimes to understand, to realize that positionally we have been made free from the penalty of sin and that we are not bound by sin anymore. But on the flip side of that, we are not free in the sense of we will continue to sin in our life. Um, that can be confusing, especially when reading passages like 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. So typically when we receive something new, it's usually to replace something that's old. And whether that old thing is just old and you don't want it anymore, or it's old and it's broken. And with that mindset, sometimes we can think that my old life, my old life of sin is not an issue anymore once I follow Jesus. 
So we have to ask ourselves a question, like, is that what Paul is saying in this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? That would be awesome, right? That would be awesome to just surrender your life to Jesus and not struggle with sin ever again. But contextually, that's not what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is about. So John in, in verse 9 and Paul in 2 Corinthians says that when Jesus cleanses your sin, or uh, John and Paul do not say that when Jesus cleanses your sin, you become perfect. And I would argue that the Bible says it becomes even harder to do what is right after you commit to follow Jesus. You now have a push and a pull taking place. You know what you ought to do, but your flesh wants to do what it wants to do. And Paul shares this struggle as well in Romans chapter seven. He says, I do not understand what I do, for I want to do, for, <laughs> for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want. There's so many do's. Oh my goodness. I do not want to do. It is no longer. <laughs> I literally like can't do this. Okay. Um, okay, I got this. Uh, start at verse 20. Holy cow, I've never struggled to read a verse in my this bad in my entire life. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but is but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Does anybody feel that way sometimes? Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, dear Lord, where does this leave us? What's the point of following Jesus if there will now be a war waged for my soul? I don't know if you're asking this question. You're like, if I'm just going to continue to struggle with sin, what's the point of following Jesus? And I think that's a really valid question. And the reason I'm asking it is because I asked that question in my office this morning as I was finishing this sermon. Really, I think here, here's the deal. There's no, there's no argument that I could ever make that, that will convince you of that. I think it's only by the Holy Spirit's work in our heart and in our mind that will compel us to follow Jesus. But I want to share some things with you. Jesus loved us enough to leave heaven, to come to earth as a man, and to set up an upside-down kingdom that is based on the sacrifice of his life. The sacrifice was so that you didn't have to live enslaved to your sin and could experience freedom. His sacrifice was so that you could have a restored relationship with your creator. His sacrifice was so that you would know that you're not alone in the pain that you experience. 
His sacrifice was so that you would be adopted into the family of God. And so we want to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus for the first time. The the Bible instructs of how to begin this relationship with Jesus, and it begins with confession. It begins with your confession of sin and rebellion that has separated you from God. And what you receive from that confession is the free gift of forgiveness. Then it's a declaration of Jesus being the Lord of your life and the submission to his wisdom. And so Jordan and Luis are going to come, and they're going to quietly be playing a song in the background. And we want to give you an opportunity to process this sermon and this text um, in a few different ways. We want to give you an opportunity if you want to surrender your life to Jesus for the first time. uh, We want you to do that. Um, If you want to make that decision just with you and God, you can do that. If you want to go to one of our youth leaders and you want to pray with them, and maybe you want them to pray with you and help you guide you through that decision, you can do that. We want to also allow everyone um, to, to spend the next few moments even just contemplating the health of your relationship with Jesus. Maybe for you, you need to confess sin that's getting in the way of your relationship with Jesus growing and flourishing. Maybe for you, you just need to sit in your seat, you need to sit on the floor, you need to find a a spot in the room and just be with Jesus. Maybe you need to go to a leader. Maybe there's been something on your mind and maybe there's something on your heart that you want a leader to pray with you about. This would be an amazing opportunity for you to do that. There's going to be some leaders, um, you know, on the sides of the room. And uh, if you want to go pray with them, uh, feel free to do that. Also, if you feel like being baptized in water is your next step in your faith with Jesus, please consider that and talk to your small group leader about that. We just want to give you an opportunity and give you a space to respond how you need to respond, whether that's prayer with God by yourself or prayer with someone else or sitting in contemplation. So I want to leave you with a big idea, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to release. Um, Big idea is this. Fellowship with God comes through confessing our sins and walking in the truth. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the free gift of salvation. Jesus, we thank you for the life that you lived, the perfect and sinless life that we could never do. And Lord, you lifted that burden off of us, those who have confessed our sin to you and have declared you the Lord and Savior of our life. We no longer carry that weight. I pray for uh, the students in this room that are contemplating whether or not they want to give your life, give their life to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw their hearts to their creator, to their father. That they would make that decision to, um, to confess and to surrender and to pick up a new life. A life that's not bound by sin, but is defined by freedom from the cross. Jesus, I pray that over the next few moments you would reveal things to us that we need to confess. Sin in our life that's getting in the way of us growing. Lord, would you continue just to be near to us? In your name we pray, amen.
So the lights are going to come down. Luis and Jordan are going to um, be playing this song. And this, this, is a, this is a time not for you to talk to anybody. This is a time for you to be um, alone. And if you need to find a place in this room to do that, to be able to focus, we encourage you to do that.